Welcome to Sports Rivals with Monty and Ernie, lively, entertaining banter on sports topics you want to hear. Welcome to the Martin Luther King Day edition of the Sports Rivals. Otherwise, for Ernie and Monty, known as Doomsday Monday. Terrible. As both the Rams and the Steelers will be sitting out the rest of the playoffs. We'll get a lot more into the NFL playoffs. And Ernie, an unbelievable week in the rank of coaching. Some of the game's greatest coaches in college and pro have... Stepped down or moved on or retired. Tons of openings. Two more big ones could be happening based on the results yesterday in Dallas and currently in Philadelphia. We'll get more into that. And then in Orney's closing thought, of course, as a huge Steeler fan, he'll talk more about the future of the Steeler coach and what he expects Mike Tomlin to do. But Ernie, we have to start off with the NFL. Your game just ended because the game was moved to Monday. Let's start first with your Steelers so I can put off talking about my Rams for just a little bit longer. You know, bittersweet. I mean, it, it, it started out the worst possible case if you're a Steelers fan. Uh, turnovers, turnovers, you know, the Steelers could have got back into it to make it 14-7. to seven. Mason Rudolph throws an uh, untimely interception in the end zone. Uh, the Bills come back with Josh Allen scoring on a 50, what, 52 plus yard running play where several tackles were missed uh, as he entered the end zone. Uh, at that point, I, I, I threw in the flag. It was 21 0. Steelers, it looked like another blowout, but to my surprise, they did not quit. They fought back. They fought back under a, a, a terrific run game. You know, a bend but don't break defense, battling back to make it uh, 17, was it, I'm sorry, seven, yeah, 17 to 24. And that was all she wrote as far as the offense was concerned. Got to give it to the Bills, <clears throat> you know, and there, but they paid dearly for it. A number of players, and they, are, they were already weak on the linebacker side. They lost another two linebackers today. I'm not sure what their situation will be for next week, but I believe they're at least under concussion protocol. Even on the Steelers sideline, they uh, they had a couple of players that uh, you know got injured, but they have the you know full off season to mend on top of that. But the Buffalo Bills live to fight another day. You know, winning the game, 31 to 17, uh, even though they lost. I'm like I said, bittersweet. I'm happy that they didn't give up because this could have easily have been like a the blow of the the wild card games. But it, you know, the the score, even though by 14 points, really wasn't indicative of how it was in the second half of the game. So, so I'm happy. Yeah, I mean, this the Steelers showed fight and uh, they didn't give up and they battled. But Josh Allen <clears throat> had a good game with three touchdown passes and that 52 yard. Uh, run yeah. uh, that last touchdown pass to, uh, to to Shakir was was amazing. It was an amazing job of balance and then getting into the end zone, and that was really deflating because I think the Steelers really felt like they had a shot. Well, Mika, bringing it twenty four yeah. to seventeen, yeah. they had the momentum. You could tell the players had fight. 
Deontay Johnson and Pickens are animated on all of their catches. Um, but Buffalo just took it right back down the field, put the nail in the coffin. Uh, and I think that sucked the energy out. But congratulations to Pittsburgh, 10-7, and 7, considering where they were a few weeks ago. Kind of, uh, well, a little disappointing for you. You had them in the Super Bowl. But all things considered, they got to to the playoffs and they gave the Bills a battle. Uh, Buffalo continues to be hot and that sets up a matchup in the next round with the Kansas City Chiefs because on Saturday night, uh, Miami goes to Kansas City in negative four degree weather, negative 27 degrees wind chill, and one team was able to handle that and one team was not. And uh, Kansas City wins 26-7 in a game that really wasn't that close. No. Tua had one underthrown bomb that Tyree Kill came back to catch and score. Uh, and then Kansas City just couldn't get into the end zone. It was field goal after field goal after field goal after field goal. But if you watch that game for any segment, uh, you could see that Kansas City was clearly dominating that game. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to agree on top of that. I mean, it wasn't to me, it wasn't it wasn't close in the second half. It was all Kansas City, unfortunately, for us to uh, Tonga Vailoa fans. Uh, the good thing about it was that Miami was decimated by injuries also going into that game. Uh, I believe if they had a more healthy team that this maybe the results are are switched over. And again, uh, like you mentioned, Mati, I mean, that, that weather, I'm pretty sure the Miami Dolphins coming from, you know, uh, a warm climate area wasn't used to that type of weather. Yeah, I mean, that. there's no doubt about that. They certainly weren't used to, to that. But you know what was surprising is that offensively, they had all their guns back. Defensively, that's where they played without six starters. But they held them to 26 points. I mean, it was a bend but not break type thing. But I think this sets up a very interesting discussion about Tua. Those of us here in Hawaii, we love Tua. We want Tua to be successful. He was a leading vote getter uh, in the Pro Bowl. Had a good year. Led the league in, in yardage. Was fifth in rating. Was um, was fifth in touchdowns. However, if we're going to be honest, I think we have to begin to consider, will Miami sign him to a long-term deal? And here's the question that, that you have to ask. When everything is clicking, they're playing in good weather against a mediocre team with all of the pieces there. He's unbelievable and Miami is unbelievable. But every single really good opponent that Miami faced, they struggled. Offensively, they struggled. Some of the, the games, they, did, they were missing pieces. Like against the Ravens, there were no Mostert, no Waddle. But in others, they had everyone. And it seems like Tua is going to be as good as the weapons around him. Right. And as far as being able to take a team on his shoulders and carry a team... It doesn't seem like he has that kind of ability. He can be a very important cog in the wheel, but he cannot be the one that carries a team. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you on that. I mean, I who knows in the future he may have that ability. At this point in time, it's evident. I mean, it's it's a mercurial offense for that Miami, uh, you know, team. I mean, they could be world beaters one week, and then today only score seven points, uh, as you mentioned uh, with. You know their offensive weapons intact, so I don't know if it's part two. I don't know if it's part uh, coaching on top of that. I don't know if it's a combination of that. But you know, in order for for me as a GM, uh, I'd have it's a it's a wait and see. You know, it, it, 
to me, the market will dictate it. Who's available? Uh, you know, they're picking the draft. I mean, it's going to be late. Who knows? I don't know if uh, uh, Penix, the Washington quarterback, Penix, yeah, drops drops to them. If that's something that they, and I'd be shocked if they actually even did that this year. <laughs> you know, but I think I think if a, if a quality guy drops to where Miami picks, <laughs> like a Penix with all of his injuries, or maybe a J.J. McCarthy, who people have questions because of productivity. Um, maybe you take him, let Tua play out his last year, and then make a decision. But it's a tough decision for Miami because you have a high-paid Tyreek Hill. Waddle's going to need another big contract. Um, you have defensive players making a ton of money. Mm-hmm. It, they're going to have to make a choice. And if you're going to pay Tua $50 million, I'm not sure you can surround him with the team good enough to win. And that's what I think they're benefiting from now. He's still on his rookie deal, so you can surround him with a lot of talent. Um, But I I was bummed, and you could kind of see it. The last month or so, you could kind of see the body language of Tua as if he lost a little bit of that swagger, a little bit of that confidence. He would say the right things, but his facial reactions, his body language showed me at least that I thought he had lost a little bit of that confidence. And... Confidence is fleeting, and once you lose it, it's it's a struggle to get it back when you're playing the best of the best. Yeah, it is like that. So it's a gamble on what Miami is going to do. We got to remember that during Tua's at least first two or three years, he his offensive coordinators, you know, came on the wayside. And it was a, basically yep. a turn turnstile for uh, on, on that note. And then, of course, his injuries uh, dating back to his college years uh, kind of got the best of him up from there. So. Uh, it's something that uh, it's going to be a gamble. Yeah. And you know what? With uh, the quarterback situation out there, somebody out there is going to pay him. Yeah, and see, that's the thing. Like with Tua, um, with his injury history, how much of hardball is he willing to play? That's the, the part that I find really intriguing. Because if I'm him with that injury history, I would take a $35 million deal all guaranteed for say three, four years and know that, hey, I got 140 million no matter what happens. I'm not gonna fight for Lamar Jackson money um, and risk some kind of injury. To me, I mean, $140 million in a state that doesn't have state tax, I think we could survive on that uh, for Tua. But that's another discussion. But because we're all here in Hawaii and we love Tua and we're all disappointed that he's out of the playoffs, um, important discussion. I think a lot of people in Hawaii are, are thinking what we're thinking right now. So that sets up the matchup between Buffalo and Kansas City. Uh, not a foreign matchup, a matchup that's happened before. However, the first time that Patrick Mahomes is going to have to play a road playoff game ever. So that's going to be really, really interesting. But you mentioned the injuries to Buffalo and all of their linebackers are out. That could signal bad news for Buffalo because that's exactly where Travis Kelsey attacks. Travis Kelsey owns the middle of the field normally. So they're going to have to figure out a way to, to find a way to stop him there or get pressure on Patrick Mahomes. So that's going to be an exciting game. I mean, Buffalo, Kansas City is going to be a high quality game. Um, I'm going to stick with Buffalo. I think they, they're the hot hand. They're playing at home. I think they're going to get this one done. Yeah, I, I, I'm going to agree with you on top of on, on that one. I, I, I really think that the Buffalo offense, what I've seen today uh, going against that Pittsburgh Steelers defense is something that uh, even though Kansas City's defense is pretty good right now, I really think that the Buffalo defense, even without those linebackers, 
can uh, at least provide pressure uh, on Mahomes. Again, uh, out of sight of Kelsey, there are not many casual fans that could name another receiver on that offense. Although Rasheed Rice had a big game against the Dolphins. He really stepped up. And uh, Isaiah Pacheco, that guy just runs so, oh, yeah. so hard. Oh, yeah. You know that they're not going to die. You know that they're going to fight. You know Mahomes ain't going to go down easy. Uh, it should be an exciting game. In the other AFC matchup, it's the, the uh, Houston Texans, who are two-point underdogs at home to the Cleveland Browns, and just flat-out whooped them. Um, big time. CJ Stroud, three touchdown passes in the first half. Back to back pick sixes by Flacco in the third quarter essentially ended. ended it. Yeah. it was a blowout. The Texans play really, really well. CJ Stroud plays really, really well, setting up a matchup between him and the Baltimore Ravens. This is where I believe the season's going to come to a close for the Texans. But in today's day and age, you just never know. Yeah, you never know, but I would. Uh, not even knowing what the the line is, I even check check it. I mean, I, I would write everything on the Ravens, but then again, I went zero and two this week, so what do I know? <laughs> <laughs> well, against the spread, you won the Ram game, and we'll get to that in a little bit. So you went one one and one against the spread, um, but so let's let's so in the AFC, you still have the number one, the number two, the number three, and the number four seats all advance. Even if I think people had the um, the Browns as the favorite, I thought the Texans would win. So I think the AFC is intact. At the beginning of the year, who would have thunk it? I think Kansas City and Buffalo, no surprise that they're there. Uh, Baltimore, no real surprise that they're there. But the Houston Texans, that was supposed to be the Cincinnati Bengals yeah. at this point in time. Yeah. But lo and behold, C.J. Stroud, D'Amico Ryans, and crew advance to the semifinals. In the NFC, um, I'm going to save my Rams again. I just can't bring myself to talk about them quite yet. But in the most shocking game of the playoffs to me, Cheez is the Green Bay Packers <laughs> dominance of the Dallas Cowboys in Dallas. Green Bay is now 5-0 since Jerry Jones opened that stadium. 3-0 in the playoffs. And this game was not close. It was 27-0 at one point, 48-16 in the fourth quarter before two meaningless touchdowns late. Green Bay thoroughly dominated this game. Jordan Love had almost a perfect passer rating, three touchdowns. Aaron Jones owns the Cowboys, 111 yards, three more touchdowns. Green Bay is playing lights-out football right now, but what happened to Dallas? I don't know. McCarthy, that's his former team. I I thought he'd probably figure out at least some some uh, chess pieces on the personnel side, but boy, did his former team uh, embarrass him at home. Like you said, 48-32, it was a lot worse than 48-32, my friends. I mean, and now there's talk about uh, the future of McCarthy uh, and whether he'll, he'll stick it out. And, and that's just day and age. I mean, you win your division. Three years. Yeah. And you're... And 12 and 5, three years in a row. 36 wins in the last three years. And he's and, definitely and, on the hot seat. And you're on the hot seat. It's crazy, but that's the expectation if, if you're in Dallas. I mean, one of the most high-profile 
not only in in football but in all of sports so yeah it's been blowout after blowout after blowout i mean the steeler buffalo game was the closest game other than the ram game but as we talk right now the last game is coming to a conclusion it's tampa bay 25 to 9 over the eagles and the eagles is another team that swooned down the stretch and nick sirianni could be super bowl one year out of a job the next year we'll talk a little bit more about that when we get to the coaching carousel here in a little bit but the one close game of the entire postseason and it was an amazing game that first half ernie detroit and the rams was crazy detroit gets the opening kickoff straight down the field touchdown rams come back straight down the field stall have to kick a field goal detroit gets the ball straight down the field touchdown rams come back puka nakua 52 yard touchdown detroit gets the ball straight down the field touchdown rams get the ball back 38-yard touchdown to 2-2. It's 21-17, and nobody has punted the ball yet. That's how the half ended. Second half, the Rams make adjustments, hold Detroit to a measly three points and only five first downs. But the Rams get stuck in the red zone a couple of times, mount two field goals, stall 24-23 to to lose to Detroit. Uh, in a game that in the first half, I was like, man, my Rams could lose. Detroit looks amazing. The crowd was psychotic. There was so much energy there. I felt good that if we were going to lose at the circumstances, but I told Ernie off the air, down the stretch, all the no calls that happened, uh, including the, the shot to Matt Stafford's head that would have given us first and goal at the four, and then the, the last play for the Rams on third and fifth. Puka Nakua clearly held and interfered with that would have given the Rams a first down at the 30 with four minutes left a chance to possibly score at least run the clock down for a game-winning field goal that did not happen that was frustrating because I don't mind losing to a better team but when it comes to that it's it's a little bit harder to stomach so I struggled a little bit but I told Ernie years ago about five years ago the Rams benefited from a bad call when the Saints got screwed over by a non-PI call that allowed the Rams to get to the Super Bowl this was payback I believe the Rams got hosed in the fourth quarter but give Detroit credit their fans were in tears they hadn't won a playoff game in 62 years they hadn't even played a home playoff game in 30 years I mean Ernie was alive when they last won but most of us were not (laughs) but what an incredible game 24-23 my Rams put up a fight Goff was good Matthew Stafford was unbelievable with a hand that was bleeding and swollen ribs that were sore stepped on kicked in the I mean hit in the head he was throwing dime after dime. Even the one to Puka, if Puka doesn't get held, he catches that ball. Yeah. He had one bad pass when he was rolled out. Cooper Cup was wide open, and he missed him. Other than that, Stafford was incredible. Proud of my Rams. Low expectations. Thought they'd win six games. They won 10. They could have beat the Detroit Lions, but now they go home. Yeah, and to me, the name of the game on top in, on that, you know, that matchup was three red zones, Three field goals. You just convert one of those red zone possessions to a touchdown and game over, in my opinion. It didn't happen. Congrats to the Detroit Lions. Puka Nakua uh, for what it's worth. Uh, another record in his books. Uh, you know, eclipsing uh, who's the Seattle receiver. 
I forget who he beat. Yeah, well, but anyways, he got 182 he, yards. Two yard by a rookie receiver for DK, uh, yeah, beating DK Metcalf. Uh, in, in that particular category. So, you know, the future looks bright for your Rams. I had no idea that the, you guys had two ex-Steelers on top of uh, your squad, a Kella Witherspoon and your offensive lineman. Although, uh, Witherspoon was good early in the year, but, man, he was getting torched in the first half. <laughs> oh, maybe that's probably <laughs> why. Kevin Dotson has been brilliant for the Rams. That was the best fourth-round draft pick for him um, that the Rams have made in a long, long time. But now he's a free agent, and he's going to expect big dollars. We have some room, but do we spend it on a guard? But he was brilliant for the Rams. I mean, he made a huge difference uh, once he got into that starting lineup in around game four or five. Yeah, and I liked him. I liked him when he was at, at least earlier part of when he was a Steeler, but I think his success got to his head. He, he started getting lazy. I guess it takes something like this, uh, you know, reality check when he gets traded. Uh, to wake him up I always thought he was a terrific talent but I'm happy for you over there but yeah uh, I feel for you I, I saw the replay on regards to Pukanokua uh, on it, on that uh, no call and I felt for you I said oh man Monty must be going crazy right now but like you said the Detroit Lions fans looking at you know watching them at the end I mean they all stayed for how many minutes that, that stadium was Completely full 15 minutes after the game and they were, you know, basking in the, I guess, the 60 years of uh, futility futility in the playoffs and, you know, soaking it all in. Yeah, so, I mean, for me, I'm, I'm, I know a lot of my Rams fans are pretty salty at the Lions. I think it's not that the fact that they lost, but I think a lot of headshots... Kyron Williams took a blow to the head. Puka took a blow to the head. Stafford took two blows to the head. And then that hit on Higby, um, even if legal, tore his ACL, uh, went straight at his knee. Whether that's legal or not, I think that's an unwritten rule that you don't do that and take somebody's knee out. Uh, And that's exactly what happened. So there's a lot of salty Ram fans, but I'm going to cheer for the Lions. I still like Jared Goff. Brad Holmes, their GM, came from the Rams, done an incredible job with them, and they're going to get another home game. It yeah. looks like it's going to be against Tampa Bay, who is now up 32-9 to with four minutes left over the Eagles. So it's going to be Tampa Bay at the Lions next week, and then it's going to be the Packers at the 49ers. Ernie, the Lions are out. The Ravens are nine-point favorites over the Texans. The Niners, ten-point favorites over the Packers. And Buffalo, three-point favorites over the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm going to expect that the Lions Tampa Bay the Lions are going to be a five or six point favorite to me at home I think that's what's that what we're looking at there so in the NFC you have number one number three number four and number seven that's left but Packers are playing good ball can do they have another miracle in them against San Francisco what do you think I don't think so I think (laughs) I think you know what the playoffs are uh highs and lows and I think this is their highs I mean the motion I've seen it number a year after year after year where you get that emotional high and the next year you just cannot maintain that high and everything comes crashing down. I expect uh, that line to go double digit uh, with the San Francisco 49ers. I think the, I mean, I hate to say it, Packer fans, uh, you got one playoff win, relish in that, but it's the 49ers season. I hope you're wrong. I think you're right, 
But as a Rams fan, oh, I would love to have the 49ers <laughs> be knocked out and somehow pave a way for Detroit to get into the Super Bowl. That would be really, really cool. Um, but I have to agree. I think I think the 49ers are prohibitive favorites, and I think they're going to get it done. But that 10-point line with the way the Packers are playing, it, that scares me. Uh, Ravens and Texans. I mean, I think the Texans are finding a way. Uh, I think they're going to cover that spread. I think they're going to get close. Uh, and then the Bills and Chiefs, Buffalo being favored by three is essentially saying it's a pick'em game. Yeah. Um, Buffalo's playing at home. That's going to be an interesting game. That's going to come down to the wire, like all their games do. I mean, they always come down to the wire. They're like three-point games all the time. It's just a matter of which team is going to win. And in a close game, Tyler Bass today was brutal, the Buffalo kicker. That has to scare Buffalo a little bit heading into next week because if you need a kick... That guy was kicking all over the place. He got one kick block. He almost mixed an extra point, and then his 20-yard field goal missed by like 15 yards to the left. Um, But that's going to be interesting. It's going to be a really interesting divisional round next week. Yeah, that uh, that, uh, matchup with Buffalo and Kansas City will be just because of special teams. Uh, During the game, even their punter had a hamstring problem. I was surprised that he actually came back in the second half. To, to finish the game But we'll see how that works out To me that line I would stay away with uh, Stay away from until you can figure out What's happening with their linebackers If they return I expect Buffalo to uh, Win that uh, Win that game uh, By more than the three point spread If not I think that's right on the money It's going to be a really close matchup yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be crazy. The only thing that could make it more interesting would have been if the Rams were still in the playoffs, but they're not. And now we turn our attention to next year again. That's Ernie I Monty. Together we are the Sports Rivals, part of the Hawaii Sports Radio Network, entering our fourth year in putting out these sports podcasts for you from Hawaii to the rest of the country. Ernie and I sending our aloha to all of you again. Seven sixty a.m. ninety five point one FM. Kool-Aid and Paul Brick wake up in the den weekday mornings from 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. You can listen to our podcast as well as all of their live radio segments on HISportsRadio.com. That's HISportsRadio.com. You can listen to the Sports Rivals right there or on uh, Spotify or wherever you get your podcast. So, Ernie, let's turn our attention to the coaching profession. Let's talk first about what has happened, and then we can speculate anymore about what might happen. The greatest NFL coach of my lifetime, our lifetime, I think has happened in in regards to Bill Belichick retiring. Your thoughts on that? I was... Not shocked uh, about that. I was shocked about his replacement, and we'll talk about that a little later. Bill Belichick, uh, for those who are on the conspiracy theory side, was it Belichick or was it Brady? To me, it was a little bit of the both. I, I don't think it was one or the other. You can't take away with what he did. I mean, there were seasons where Brady was out and they still did well. Uh, I mean, it, it, just by watching the games, with, and I trust me, being a Steeler fan, I was on I was on a losing end on at least four Super Bowl I mean AFC Championship games uh, when the Patriots uh, beat the Steelers those four times. Uh, masterful! You you cannot deny that how his uh, in game coaching and game planning uh, worked. I mean 
Yeah, that was the most impressive part. It was the game planning. I was always impressed with he, that. He, if you're a passing team, he would stop take it away. You. He would take it if away. If you're a running team, he would stop you. Uh, he always found a way to do that. And you're right. You know, right now everybody thinks it's Brady because Brady won a title without Belichick, and the Patriots have fallen off a cliff without Brady. But I don't think that has anything to do with his coaching. I think his coaching was phenomenal. He carried Brady early. Brady carried them a little bit late. The problem with Belichick is. He wanted the power. He wanted the personnel decisions. And quite honestly, he, he sucked, sucked at it. Yeah. He GM. sucked at the draft. He's GM pretty good at identifying professional players and bringing people in on low contracts. But the draft was a disaster for the Patriots. And over time, when you can't restock your team, um, bad things happen. And that's exactly what happened. But Bill Belichick, I never thought I would see the day that he would be mutually agreed to leave but I think the writing was on the wall there he's not ready to retire as evidenced by the fact that he's already interviewed for the Atlanta Falcons job and I think he's also interested in the Charger job as well so Bill Belichick was the biggest name in the pro ranks Um, but you alluded to it already he's already been replaced by Gerard Mayo a former Patriot player Mm -hmm. Uh, at least a black coach but not a big name, somebody from within the family. Is that the right move for the Patriots? I believe so. From what, everything I've read uh, in regards to that uh, coaching uh, decision, uh, he seems to be a player's type of coach. I mean, the players respond to him well. And if anything, if you want to get it on the right side, you need to buy in from the players. I think going to another coach, switching over everything with this type of personnel, I think you're in for at least two to three years rebuilding. At least in this case with Mayo, you're coming in at, uh, it would be a lot, I, I think the transition would be a lot easier. This all depends. Mayo's success will, again, like how you, like you mentioned earlier, will depend on who they bring in as GM and how that GM restocks this Patriots team to be a, you know, a contender because it's a very proud franchise. Uh, you know, they've done two de- Two decades plus of 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 winning, uh, but you know what? I have no sympathy for them. They want too much, I, and I don't think really anyone does. And then the second surprise was Pete Carroll, another that was surprising. Super Bowl that was champion, college national champion. He still wants to coach, but he was forced out. Um, and now it becomes who's going to be Seattle's coach. So one of the things that I think was pretty evident is that when you look at the playoffs, and we talked about this last week, 11 of the 14 teams had offensive head coaches. The only defensive head coaches were Buffalo, Pittsburgh, and I believe one of the um, other AFC teams, John Harbaugh. Everybody else comes from the offensive side of the ball. So what happened this week? Defensive coach Belichick let go. Defensive coach Pete Carroll let go. Defensive coach Ron Rivera let go. Defensive leaning Arthur Smith from the Falcons let go. This is a copycat league. So all of a sudden, everybody's going to fire all their defensive focused coaches and hire offensive coaches, not the Patriots. They went defense to defense. Um, But it seems like an overcompensation because the Texans showed you you can hire a defensive coach if you get the quarterback right 
and you get an offensive coordinator that can develop the quarterback, you're still going to be okay. So that seems to be it. If you have a defensive-minded coach, Belichick, you need a dominant quarterback, Brady, if you want to be super successful. Um, Carroll had rookie deal Russell Wilson playing well and a dominant defense when they won. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting. But Bill Belichick and Pete Carroll out of coaching in their 70s so it might be time right but surprised to, i never would have thought that Pete carroll and bill <clears throat> belichick would have been asked to exit their coaching position yeah and i think Pete carroll is one of the more uh, under the radar not, not that he's under the radar but you know winning national championships uh at usc and then winning the super bowl with the seattle seahawks could have won multiple uh super bowls over there he had the he had the opportunity to do so. Uh, in my opinion, uh, never really talked about as being you know one of the uh, legendary coaches. I think what he's done. I mean, you, you let's let's look at the college ranks. Saban, who was at LSU, then went to Miami, struggled in Miami, went back to uh, Alabama. You know, and to me, when you're a college coach, I mean, not to put anything down for a college coach, but it's the recruiting. And when you always have the number one recruiting class for as many years as he had, having all those quarterbacks, Tua Tagovailoa, Jalen Hurts, Bryce Young, uh, I won't say Mac, but when you have all those quarterbacks, you know, it's a lot easier to win. I I mean, I put it up for debate. Everybody's going to say that Saban's probably the best college coach out there. Uh, To me, if you add it up and you put coaching career I think Pete Carroll trumps Sabin because of his success at two levels. At two levels. Yeah, I mean, and that's a debate that's going to be really hard to to uh, to to figure out. But but you could be right. He's one of the few with Jimmy Johnson and Barry Switzer that have won both a national championship and a Super Bowl title. Um, so congratulations to Pete Carroll. The final one that was really surprising to me: Ron Rivera getting fired. That was eminent. But Mike Vrabel, who I think is one of the better coaches in the NFL, had Tennessee as the number one seed multiple seasons without real quarterback play. He was fired as well. So Vrabel is out there on the open market. So let's take a look. There's a list that's up here. There's seven right now coaching jobs. And according to Sports Illustrated, they view the Atlanta Falcons position as the best position, the best opening right now i'm not sure i agree with that they do have talent they have the running back they have the tight end they have the wide receiver they have a good line some pieces on defense in a weak division but without that quarterback i think it becomes hard number two they have the seahawks as the second best coaching job you have some talent on offense you have some talent on defense you have ownership that has a ton of money microsoft money so they have them as the number two position the commanders are number three wow and i think that's because of the new ownership magic johnson and sneaky great hire this week i'm not sure if you heard this but former golden state player personnel gm bob myers was hired by the washington commanders to run their football operations and that's somebody who has proven success in creating a winning organizational culture which the commanders are a mess but in terms of right now they have some good pieces on offense they have some good receivers. They have the second picks. So if they want to get away from Howell, they can draft Drake May or Marvin Harrison 
or see what they want to do or trade down for more picks. They're number three strictly for ownership to me because they're a mess right now. Uh, number four, they have the Titans position. I'm not sure that's a good job. I mean, they don't have a whole lot of talent. They have a decent talent. I always thought they overachieved and now Derrick Henry is going to go away. I just don't see that. There's no quarterback unless you think, well, Will Levis is the future. Um, I'm not sure about that. But then you go to number five, they have the Chargers. I thought they'd be higher. I thought they would be number one. Because to <laughs> me, they don't have good ownership. They don't have a good fan base. So if you're looking at those kinds of things, I think that's a problem. But you have Justin Herbert. So one of arguably the top five quarterbacks in the NFL, certainly a top 10 quarterback. You have good receivers, although they get injured all the time. You have great defensive players, although they haven't played really well. Um, To me, if you get the right coach, i.e. Jim Harbaugh, who was there in Chargerville today meeting with them, or a Bill Belichick, this is where I would target for Bill Belichick. He has to go where they already have the talent. And then the the discipline, the structure, the in-game coaching is what he has to do. He cannot go and build a culture or build a roster. He's proven that that's not his forte. To me, out of these openings, the Chargers would be number one to me. Yeah, I'm surprised they're at number five. I mean, I'm going to agree with you on, on, on all your points over there. I mean, to me, it was uh, in-house coaching. When when you have all that talent and your team finds ways to lose, and I've been watching the Chargers for the last two years, they find ways to lose. I mean, a lot of games where they, you know, they should have been prohibitive favorites they end up losing for one reason or another. And that comes down to coaching and culture. That culture is, uh, it needs to be changed. I don't know how much in-house personnel-wise needs to change. I don't know if that's the players that are currently in there. Hopefully it's not one of the, you know, difference makers, uh, Bosa, I don't know, you know, (laughs) one of those, uh, some of those players out there, but they definitely have the uh, the talent Khalil Mack mm-hmm. boy that guy when he wants to play that guy is definitely defensive player of the year candidate type of and you mentioned Herberger over there that <clears throat> I'm so I'm shocked I'm shocked that they were number five you know not knowing about the other clubs I don't know if they were going to be at number one like you said but definitely it, I, not number five. Yeah, then they have the Raiders at number six, although it looks like the Raiders want to take a shot at a hardball. Not sure hardball is going to go to, to Vegas. That doesn't seem like the right fit for him. Um, but Antonio Pierce looks like he's going to be able to keep that job. He's done a phenomenal job, and Max Crosby came out yesterday and said, if it's not him, I'm going to demand a trade. Now, whether they listen to him or not, who knows? And then the worst job, the Carolina Panthers, they have no number one pick because they traded it for Bryce Young. They look offensively a complete disaster. Defensively, they were still top two in yards in the NFC, but offensively, they were a mess. Uh, I would agree that that would be the worst position. Now, Dallas. A lot of chatter that Mike McCartney had to at least win the first playoff game. And not only did they lose, they got humiliated. 
I honestly think he's going to get the boot. I honestly think Nick Sirianni is also going to get the boot. There's a lot of chatter that he's lost this team somehow. They're fighting again today. Dallas Gobert was just fighting with Jalen Hurts on the sideline. A lot of discontent, a lot of frustration. So something has gone amiss. And I think that's what was the concern. His first year, there were concerns about him. His second year, they went to the Super Bowl. But he hired great offensive and defensive coordinators. They both left. And the longer the season went on, so in the beginning, I think they were still solid, but the longer the season went on, the bigger you could feel the impact of not having the defensive and offensive coordinators, and they've fallen off a cliff. But once you lose the locker room, remember, the Eagles, not long ago, won a Super Bowl with Doug Peterson. Same thing happened the next year where they went down. They fired him the year after winning the Super Bowl. Mm -hmm. So I certainly think they're capable of uh, firing Sirianni one year after losing the Super Bowl. Both Dallas and Philadelphia perfect places again for a Bill Belichick to come in, create the structure with immensely talented teams. A Harbaugh or a Belichick at Dallas or Philadelphia would be scary for the rest of the NFL. Yeah, I wonder what the bidding war is going to be on Belichick. Uh, I mean, again, you have to you have to figure out his age. You have to figure out what his demands are going to be as far as, you know, personnel, personnel is, yeah. is concerned because the, the guy is from uh, all accounts, uh, it doesn't seem to be, you know, a guy who really bends for an, or an organization. He's going to have his share of suitors. And when you have your share of suitors, you can make demands, even coming off, a, uh, you know, several losing seasons like he had in <clears throat> in New England. So to me, it's how much are you willing to give up as an organization from a, you know, managerial standpoint, even though I really seriously doubt that anyone would be giving him the double duty of being a head yeah. coach and a GM. That would be a <laughs> that would be a complete deal breaker yeah. for me. Uh, but, At his age, yeah. deal breaker. But I guarantee you, he is gonna have his say and it's gonna be that part, the unwritten part, that I think is gonna make his decision uh, <clears throat> See, I actually think Jerry Jones at this point in his life, he's 80 years old. He's desperate to win one more championship before he retires or worse. Um, Belichick makes a lot of sense there, but he makes more sense in Philadelphia because what does Belichick do best defense? What part of the defense does he do best? Defensive backs. And Philadelphia's disastrous season this year was their back end. Their secondary was a disaster. And watching this Tampa Bay game today, it was clear again, the disastrous missed tackles. Um, It's going to be interesting to see where Belichick lands. And and there's no guarantee Harbaugh is going to the NFL. He could stay at Michigan reportedly for 10 years and $125 million. So he has the option to do both. I just think all the drama he's won his national title he's I, I can't imagine he'd want to stay and all his good players have announced that they're turning pro so even more so I'm not sure why he would stay when many of the players have already uh, opted for the NFL so it's going to be very very interesting the coaching carousel one thing's for sure we'll talk about Tomlin in a little bit in Ernie's closing thought Sean McVay ain't going nowhere because he was brilliant this year for the Rams in the college football ranks you brought up Nick Saban that was a surprise it didn't take long before Alabama goes out brings Kalen DeBoer uh, from the University of Washington down to Alabama. He is a phenomenal coach. Alabama just 
They outbid Washington. <laughs> they get the man that they want. He is 114 and 12 as a college football coach with three national championships at the NAIA level. Then he went to Fresno State, won the conference there, went to Washington, goes 25 and 3 in two years there, including getting to the national championship game. He is a brilliant coach. He goes to Alabama. So what does Washington do? They reach down to the University of Arizona. They take Jed Fish from Arizona, bring him up to Washington on a $7.5 million deal. So the coaching carousel has started to shift its course. But Nick Saban leaving Alabama, I, I didn't expect that. That seemed to come out of the blue. But he said he's frustrated by the current state of college football it's what we heard from Roy Williams it's what we heard from Coach K these older coaches when it comes to having to recruit these players and then recruit them constantly because NIL or Transfer Portal it's hard it's it making coaching significantly harder um, and he was having none of it and he leaves so coaching carousel in college coaching carousel in the NFL whoo a lot of excitement. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, how good the board was at Washington. Uh, I think Alabama being at it is that SEC is just, I'm sorry, Pac-12. Pac the SEC is just a different level. I mean, and his success, I'm not to say that uh, the cupboard is dry for Alabama, but, you know, Alabama wasn't, <clears throat> they didn't have recruiting classes of yesteryear. You know, uh, they, I, they, they've been... Uh, but like two or three, yeah, one, know. two or three every yeah. year. But but not the number one, number one, number one. You know, in in, in Saban's, uh, you know, <clears throat> during that during that incredible run that he had, where he was in the national championship game almost every year. Uh, it's going to be a chore. The pressure to be follow up uh, Nick Saban type of uh, program is gonna. I mean, just wait for his first loss. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt see. he's gonna have he's gonna have some pressure, but they seem to think that he has the temperament to handle that kind of a position. So I'm curious to hear again. That's Ernie I Monty Pack Show. We're already 44 minutes in, but I gotta hear Ernie's thoughts on Mike Tomlin, who today stormed out of the press conference at the end. What do you think is gonna happen with your head coach? Yeah, I mean. It, it, there were a lot of rumors when the Steelers were struggling, especially during uh, the Trubisky uh, takeover, over, you know, during uh, part of midseason. <clears throat> Mike Tallinn, a terrific motivator. I would say the best motivator in the NFL, but questionable game day coach, in my opinion. And, and I, I love Tallinn. For all, for all that he is as far as a Pittsburgh Steelers coach, uh, good defensive mind. His game day decision, um, game time decisions have been questionable in the last several seasons. Uh, notably, being that the Steelers have not won a playoff game since 2016. They've been in the playoffs three of the last four years, but with nothing to show at all. First round exits, especially during that one year when they started out 11 and 0 and getting. Uh, Demolished by the Cleveland Browns uh, in that playoff game, uh, Tottenham really felt the heat this year, uh, and I I'm kind of wondering that his actions while storming out of that uh, press conference was writing on the wall. To me, that spoke volumes 
you know, when if you answer the question and say no, no, and you know you play the 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 politics of uh, press conferences and you know have the poker face, that's one thing. Tomlin just decided that you know if I don't have anything good to say, I'm not going to say anything at all. I'm just going to leave. That in my mind says that there's something there that I don't know if it's he's going to do a Bill Cowher and go to the the booth or if there's you know one of those vacancies that you mentioned earlier from all those other franchises that they're going to say that you know I'm going to give you a guaranteed contract for a hundred million dollars and you know you come and coach our team. I don't know if that's looming on him, but <clears throat> never did I think that Tomlin would coach another team other than the black and gold in Pittsburgh. But the, if you're a Steelers fan and a, more more so a Mike Tomlin fan like I am, uh, I say it's 50-50 right now. I would have said if he answered the questions, <clears throat> we're, we're good. Because I don't think Steeler management would have done anything, but I think this is not a Steeler thing. I think this is a Mike Tomlin thing. Yeah, I mean, it, it kind of seems that way. I mean, there's a lot of speculation that it just may be time to move on to another challenge, whether the challenge is TV, which he'd be great at because he's so yeah. good in front of a microphone. And you make big bucks doing that yeah. without the stress. Um, or if he wants to wait for one of these good, good openings. So, again, if you have openings in Dallas and you have openings in Philadelphia and you have somebody like a Mike Tomlin, you would have to take a look uh, at, at somebody like him. So, But you're right. It's hard to imagine the Steelers without Mike Tomlin. And it's harder to imagine him leaving for another team. I get it if he leaves for the booth or for, for TV like Bill Cowher did and at the time it was kind of like we're gonna take a break and go to TV then he was like oh man this is a good gig <laughs> and he never went back to coaching um, could Mike Tomlin do that who knows but if he does for the Pittsburgh Steelers sake he has to make that decision really really soon before the best coaches are, are gone to yeah. other places because if you're a head coach and you have an opportunity to coach the Pittsburgh Steelers, especially if you're a younger coach, maybe not one of the older ones, three coaches in our lifetime, mm-hmm. that is the epitome of stability. And as a coach, that's really all you can ask for. Know that you're going to have the support of the organization. You're going to be able to build something. You have an established culture of winning. Um, that is an ideal Job for an up-and-coming young coach like a Ben Johnson from the Detroit Lions. Yeah, could be. I mean, like I said, I think this is something that, and who knows, uh, a lot of chatter was out there that he really didn't make the decision in regards to Matt Canada being fired. I know him and Canada was were close. Uh, I think uh, there were tweets coming out there. Well, well, I don't know if they call it tweets anymore, being that uh, <laughs> it's called mm-hmm. X now. But uh, in any case, it, there, were, there was a... Uh, it made out that Rooney actually fired Matt Canada and it wasn't And Tomlin. those can be the things that start to create right. disharmony and frustration. Exactly. And that's where I think, you know what? I've been in this organization for 16, 17 years. I have not come out where I had a losing season. And now I'm being second guess. And now I'm having all this thing in the media. I mean, you can be disenfranchised by all the success when you get criticized like that. Uh, 
very quickly, in my opinion. Uh, he seemed to have a very harmonious relationship with the Rooneys, but this is, uh, even though the Steelers, he ended up uh, with a record of 10-7 and 7 this year, I think this year was probably his most frustrating season uh, of his career, you know, given, you know, the many things that happened, you know, in regards the to expectations initially, exactly the problems with the offense, the losing the, those three games, <laughs> including the Cardinal one those, right. and the Patriot one. Yeah. But like always, he rebounds down the stretch, gets them where they always are in the playoffs before today's loss. So Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest coaches of all time I think so And uh, I think at this point in time If he's going to walk away For TV I get it If he walks away For another team I'd be surprised But he would be A phenomenal coach He would People would want him And be willing to pay him A ton of money So it's going to be interesting Last year I was worried about Sean McVay His mind just wasn't right You could tell this year He was back to the Sean McVay of years past Just the way That they were coaching uh, He was back But if I'm a Steeler fan, I'm a little bit concerned, especially if this drags out, because you need to secure another quality coach before the quality coaches are gone. Yeah, and I'm, I'm hoping that you're correct. And if he does make a decision, make it fast, because I don't think it's like I said, I don't think it's going to be Steelers management that makes this decision. This is a Tom decision and his decision alone, I think. It, but again, I think he needs some downtime to think about it, making uh, but I really hope that his downtime is no longer than, than a, a week. week. Like Harbaugh. Yeah. I mean, Harbaugh won the championship last week. And we didn't even talk about that because that was so long ago. But Michigan rolled over Washington 34-13 to win the national championship. He took that one week to chill. Today he's talking to the Chargers. I think Tomlin would be in a similar situation. One week to decompress, you know, close out the year with his players and coaches. And then make a decision if a decision is imminent. And maybe it is. Maybe it's not. We'll be interesting. So next week, we're going to talk a lot more about basketball. We just ran out of time with all of these coaching things. But Ernie Celtics continue to win. My uh, Lakers continue to suck. Draymond <laughs> Green comes back today, uh, but the Warriors lose again. John Moran came back explosive, injured his shoulder, out for the year again. So he's going to be out predominantly. He played like, what, two, three games? He's the Gabe Vincent of the, of the <laughs> Memphis Grizzlies. But we'll talk a lot more about basketball, including Ernie's North Carolina Tar Heels yeah. playing brilliantly now in the top five and my Michigan sucks they're seven and ten <laughs> my Gonzaga sucks they're 11 and five and out of the top 25 for the, for first. the first time in 143 Dang. weeks oh, not to mention the rainbows went one and one this week here <laughs> in Hawaii a lot of basketball to come but football definitely the focus the playoffs heartbreaking loss for my Rams Heart-wrenching loss for my Rams. Little frustrating loss for Ernie Steelers. The semifinals are set. 49ers against Green Bay. Detroit hosting Tampa Bay. The Ravens hosting the Texans. And Buffalo hosting Kansas City. I like the Ravens. I like Buffalo. I like Detroit. I like San Francisco uh, to win. Um... But I'm, I'm not sure about the spreads. I, I think like, you agree on all four yeah, teams, right? I, I like I like San Francisco against the spread. I think that's I think that's going to be a route. I like Buffalo. That would be my two picks if I were to make those two picks today. Yeah, I'm not going to go there yet until I see the <laughs> Detroit one. So tune into social media later on in the week, and we'll go ahead uh, and make some picks. So 
fabulous weekend, lot going on, coaching positions galore. It's going to be an exciting week. Check us out on social media, Sports Rivals Podcast on IG and Facebook, Sports Rivals Pod on X, formerly known as Twitter. That's where you can check out our constant communication with you. If you want to hear anything on the show, post it there. We will talk about it next week and we'd be happy to. And again, thank you to the Hawaii Sports Radio Network. Ernie, you got anything else? I'm good. All right. Until next week, the Sports Rivals are out. Thank you for joining us on the Sports Rivals Podcast. Check us out on social media at Sports Rivals Podcasts on Instagram and at Sports Rivals Pod on Twitter, where you can share topics you'd like to hear.